according to today's daf is daf Samach Talad. We're up to the seventh line from the top of Samach Talad Amal Aleph 64a. Um, we discussed um, yesterday the uh, what makes someone a moired or moiredes. If a husband refuses to be intimate with his wife, or the wife refuses to be intimate with her husband, we discussed a difference whether. Um, we discussed if there's a difference why she's refusing to be with her husband. Like how how, how are we going to try? What's it uh, called? Uh, repair the marriage and get them to make up and uh, live together again. That when we would like to do something along the lines of what the Mishnah suggests of each week slowly decreasing the tzuba. And part of that motivation is that they get back together. Um, they also spoke about public shame. Yeah, so that was then we brought a second type. It seemed that they realized that that seven, seven zuza a week wasn't uh, cutting it. So they found a new method which they would send a warning and then they would publicly shame for four weeks and if she didn't uh, go back to her husband or if he didn't go back to his wife then they would... Uh, yeah, publicly shame them over four weeks to hopefully get them to anything. Um, yeah, it's a bit harsh. I feel like for him it's not so harsh because if he's really upset and divorced, for her it seems a bit harsh because she could be stuck in the marriage that she's trying to uh, get out of or something, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then we brought at the end of the, where we finished at the top of the page, what seemed to be a third way of dealing with the Moirid or Moiredes, and that is um, they separate, but we give them 12 months before he's allowed a divorce. Okay, and how those each fit in, um, was it just due to the time, the best way that they sought to deal with it? I, let's say, Bezidin were faced nowadays, or a Rav was faced nowadays with a similar situation, a husband and wife come before him, and the wife says, um, I have to teach him a lesson, I'm not going to be with him for the next few weeks, you know, or the husband says, uh, the, the other way, you know, the, whatever the case is, does he follow these protocols that we mentioned, or do you try, see, okay, in uh, Johannesburg, this is the issues that are underlying many couples, the best way to resolve with it is X, if their concern is wild, well, then there's no solution but divorce. You know how, what should the rabbi, what should the steps be? It actually seems that it has um, changed slowly over time how to deal with the moired or moredes. Um, it also makes a difference why she, like we we discussed towards the end of yesterday's stuff, but, you know, is she doing it again to, like we said, Litsaria or Mitsarilele? She wants to remain married, she just wants to harass him. Uh, Agree, aggravate him, or does she actually find him repulsive? You know, you're going to have to deal with those two situations in a different way. Okay, now we carry on. Says Omar of Tumi Bar Kisna Omar Shmuel Kaisin Igeres Merit. When do uh, this is going to be? When do we write uh, Igeres Merit? Igeres Merit is basically the court document saying that we decrease the ksuba again for a woman seven every week, and for a man we increase. If it's the man who's being the moirid, we increase it by three dinarim every week. So that's the that's the igeres merit. It's basically the court document authorizing the the go ahead for the decrease in the tuba. So he says. So when did so Shmuel said we write this igeres merit al arusa for an arusa if she refuses to get married. The same question igeres merit al shomeres yavam. We don't write the igeres merit. For a Shomeris Yopam, I, when the woman, we're going to have to see, is it going on the man who refuses to do Nisuyim or the woman who refuses to do Arusim, uh, to go to Nisuyim? And by Shomeris Yopam, is it what he's claiming or what she's claiming? But either way, simply read, if the woman doesn't want to do Nisuyim, you would write uh, Igeris Merit, you would uh, take the course of action directed by the Mishnah, and if it's a Shomeris Yopam, we would not. So, Maisivay. It challenges. It says, Achasli, this is the price we discussed yesterday. It says, It makes no difference to me. I, all the following cases are considered a moredes. Achasli, Arusa Benesua, Afilu Nida, Afilu Choyla, Afilu Shemeres Yomam. And for whatever reason, she refuses to be intimate with her husband, whether it's she's an Arusa refusing to do Nisuyin, or 
an, an already married woman refusing to be with her husband. Or even if she, while she's a needle, even if she's too um, sickly, and even if she's a Shomeris Yapon, we see that there, according to the Brysa, you do, if a woman, and the husband says, okay, let's do Yibu, the brother-in-law says, yes, do Yibu, and she says, no thanks, I refuse, she's a, she's a Moretis, and you would write in a Gareth marriage. So, again, so the contradiction is, Shmuel comes along and says that you don't write a Gareth marriage for a Shomeris <coughs> as the Brysa says, you do. Now, as you know, Shmuel can't argue with the prices. He's either we're either going to have to say how they two different scenarios, two different cases, and um, to work out what Shmuel is actually saying. So Moran says, "Look, Kasha, it's not a contradiction." He says, "Kanche tova who? Kanche tova who? He? The price uh, is where he says, let's do yibum, and she refuses. And the Shmuel, which says we don't write it, is where she says, let's do yibum, and he refuses." Oh, why should it be a difference? Either way, one of them's losing out. So why only when he says, let's do you, but when she says no, we decrease the value of the ksuba. But when she says, okay, come on, I've been waiting long enough, let's do you, but when he says no, we don't decrease the ksuba. So Rashi says, as far as going to come out from later in the sukya, um, Ah, let's see. The Omarav Tachlifa Baravimi Omar Shmurav Tachlifa Baravimi said Omar Shmurav Tava who, if he wants to do Yibum, and obviously she refuses, or Niskakeno, then we get involved. We start decreasing her Ksuba. Tava he, if she claims she says let's do Yibum, and he says no, and Niskakeno, we do not involve ourselves. And Rashi here says, as will come out from the Sukkah, the reason is because he's obligated in Pruravu. He's obligated to have children. And therefore, we're going to help him fulfill his mitzvah by putting pressure on this woman to go through with Yibum. Whereas, she doesn't have a mitzvah of Pruravu. So we're not going to get involved in this uh, marriage, this what fight. What would be on both parties the mitzvah Pruravu? Oh, so that's, that's a big discussion. I don't have clarity on it, but the mitzvah of Pruravu is specifically on the man. It's a big discussion. Why is it not on a woman? Um... I've heard, I haven't heard any crystal clear reasons, but I've heard reasons along the lines of, well, Hashem can't impose something that causes such pain on a, on a woman, a mitzvah that causes such pain. Um, seems, uh, some say, no, a woman, in general, women naturally want, are more than happy to go ahead with a mitzvah approval. They love having children, they love the idea of raising a family. It's the men who need it, so they don't need the mitzvah. But it's the men who need the encouragement. Um, but I don't know, like neither of those, I feel, are. I think we need to. I think those reasons are the start of a good discussion, but I think we need something more, maybe go deeper into those reasons. Yeah, something, something deeper, something more satisfactory why the mitzvah is specifically on men. Um, okay, so it says, but my. So now we go, now we're going to analyze. So where are we holding at the moment? That if he says I want to do yibum, okay, we're going to get involved and we're going to pressurize her by decreasing the right and he get his merit, saying that her super decreases um, seven dinar a week to pressurize her to go ahead with it, but not for him. Not if she, sorry, not if she wants to do it and he's refusing. Says Mamai came to the hard Shmuel, but So what we say, Shmuel's case is where she says I want to do yibum, and who are we saying and Shmuel saying who we don't write. Um, because uh, is married for, we don't write it against the husband. Because she wants to do evil, but it's the husband who wants it. Shmuel says we don't. It says, says alarusa. The language of, the, of Shmuel is that we write an Igeres merit al. It sounds like against the Arusa. Le'irusa mi It should have said for the Arusa. Again, in Shmuel's Brysa, we're saying, sorry, not Shmuel's Brysa, Shmuel's teaching is that we do for an Arusa, right, in a Geras married, and we don't for, an, for a Shemeres Yovon. But according to how we've just explained it, it's not that where the woman is the rebelling one, and the Geras married is Al against the woman, it's where the woman is the, the victim. It's the husband who's refusing to do Nisuyin or Arusin. So it should say, we write the Igeres married for the Arusa, not Al. She says, no, Holakasha, Tony, La Arusa, that's not so difficult. Edit it to say La Arusa. 
either Tony either means edited, I like it's a bracelet, it's a little bit corrupt, we don't mind changing the text a little, or he's saying Al can also be Al, I translated it as against, but it can kind of be translated as Al Arusa, on the Arusa, for the Arusa. But uh, either way, it says, Maish Maish Shoberes Lovam Teloi, Domrina Loz Zil Loi Mifkarito. So he says, well, oh, sorry, before I read this line, we go back to the price and Shmuel, not back to the price, back to Shmuel's teaching. Shmuel said two points. He said, in Arusa, we do write in Igeris Mer, but for a Shomeris Yovam, we don't. Now, what's the difference? He says, Why do we not write in Igeris Mer for her? She says, I want to do Yibum. She goes to her brother and says, let's do Yibum. And he says, I refuse. We don't write it. What's the reason? Says, we tell her, you have no mitzvah pruravu, get lost. We're not going to help you. Says Ella. But then, if you're thinking like that, Arusa But Arusa, you can have the exact same point. Tell her, you're not commanded the mitzvah. So again, when the woman comes along and says, I want to do yibum, we tell her, sorry, we're not helping you. When the man come, when the woman comes along and says, I want to do Nisuin, we've done everything, I want to do Nisuin, we tell her, oh, we'll help you. But the reason should be the same behind both of them, that she doesn't have the mitzvah pruravu, so why are we getting involved? So that can't be the reason. So Ella, by the Erusa, why do we help her? She says, where she comes with the following claim. I still want children. I need someone to support me when I'm old, when in my old age, and to um, and and someone to arrange my burial. I, I need children. So even though she doesn't have the mitzvah of so she can't say Beis didn't help me fulfill my mitzvah. She can say Beis I want children, and therefore help me. It's a very interesting discussion here. What's this? For? So well, let's just go. Well, Hakanami, Shomeris Yovam before Mahmasdana. Well, then Shomeris Yovam should also have the same claim. Yeah, and she's fallen in Yibum to this guy. She says, I want to do Yibum. But he says, sorry, we can't, uh, you have no mitzvah. She says, but I still want children. I need someone to help me in my old age. I need someone to arrange my burial. So therefore, either way, she should have that claim. Again, we're still struggling with why would Shmuel say that for an Arusa based in will help and intervene and Rata Igeres Mered, but for her Shomeres Yovam, they won't. But just this is quite an interesting claim. And she, she, her claim is that I need, I need children. I, I need children. So what happens if she already has children from another marriage? So on the one hand, you might say, okay, well, she loses that claim that I need children. You need someone to arrange a burial. Okay, you've got three other children from your first marriage, or something like that. On the other hand, you might be able to argue that she... Uh, I don't know which children are going to look after me. You always notice, you not always, you very, very often notice in a family that parents, 90% of the assistance and the support for elderly parents falls on one of the children. You don't often, sometimes it is split, it's split, but uh, very often it's primarily one of the children become the caregiver, the one who drives into all their appointments and the one who makes sure that they take it on the medication, the one who makes sure that all their things are in order. It generally falls on one of the children. So that's the... So, so she could say, I don't know which child is going to be the one that's going to look after me. So maybe she can claim, even if she already has children. Okay, but an interesting claim and an interesting discussion behind the legal strength of such a claim. Okay, so, so we have to revise the, te- the teaching. Both cases, Shmuel and the Bryce are all where he claims. He says, let's go ahead and get married. Let's go ahead and do Yibum. And she says, no. Well, we're going to say, he says, Below Kasha. Here is where he says, let's do Chalitza, and she says no. And here is where he says, let's do Yibum, and see, she says no. And where we help is where he says, let's do Chalitza, there we help him. But where Shmuel, which says we don't help him, is where he says, let's do Yibum. There we're not going to intervene. We'll see further down the page, um, it's got to do with which one's the main mitzvah. But let's leave that for a bit further down the page. But either way, where we're holding at the moment is that both, again, Shmuel came along and said that a Shomeris Yovam, we don't write an Igeris Mered, whereas the Bryser says we do write an Igeris Mered. So we've just said the case is the one that they're not difficult. The one is where the husband wants to do Chalitza, and the one is where the husband wants to do Yibum. 
says now the Omar Abbas, Omar Biyachan, Tobalifla is Niskaking law. Tobaliyabim A Niskaking law, and this is based on Rabbi Yachan's principle that if he wants to do Khalitza, then we'll help him. And if she refuses to do Khalitza, we will lower his her ksuba until she agrees. And if he says let's do Yibum and she refuses, we don't listen to him. So it's not again, my Shnaili Yabim the law. Well what's the difference if he says let's do Yibum that we don't intervene and force her to do Yibum? Pressurize her to do Yibum. Writing in a Gareth married. So it's Domrino and Masbi, because we say, Domrino we can tell him, go marry another woman. Oh, you don't have to do Yibum to this woman, so she doesn't want to do Yibum to you, so go find another wife. Again, remember in those days there's no problem of polygamy. So, but then again, he says, I want to do Chalitza. And she says, no. So why is he so caught up in it? Just don't marry someone else. So have her, have her piggyback in the, have her in the background as a Shemesh Yavim, a girl waiting to do Yibum. But you don't have to worry about it. Just don't marry someone else. So he says, no, Eladomar must be, he claims, oh yeah, the price is, the Agida Bay, with this woman changed to me, there's no one else. No one else is going to marry me. Again, remember, if you, got, if you know that this man is already married, already has a wife, or has a Shomeris Yovam, a woman he's, who's very likely to become his wife, the woman is less likely to go out with him. You don't want a husband that you're going to have to share. So therefore, that's why in the Brysa, we will force her... Um, um, in the price we will push her to do Chalitza. Well then, Hachanamik, you mean Da'agida, babe? Well then, Shmuel's teaching should be the same way. He says, let's do Yibum. And she says, no, we, don't, we should also help him because he's going to struggle to get another wife because he's already got this person tied to him. So, It must be both cases, Shmuel and the price are aware. He says, let's do Yibum. Okay, so now, now we're, we're, it sounds like we're putting ourselves in a pickle, in a, tying ourselves in a knot, but both Shmuel and the Bryce are where we say, let, the husband says to his wife, let's do Yibum. And in the, according to Shmuel, based in, I'm not going to intervene, intervene when she refuses and write this uh, Igeris merit. Whereas in the Bryce, they are. It says, Here's like the earlier teaching, and here is like the latter teaching. Let's read the teachings, and then we'll tie it in with Machoyim. So tonight, as we learned in a Mishnah, Mitzvah Yibum the mitzvah of Yibum is um, takes precedence over the mitzvah of Chalitza. And this was all when they used to do it for the sake of the mitzvah. Ideally, you have a choice, a man doing Yibum or Chalitza, he should do Yibum, but that's specifically where he's doing it for the sake of the mitzvah of Yibum, I not for ulterior motives. It says, The Shum Mitzvah, nowadays that people would do it without the intent for a Mitzvah, Omru, they say, Mitzvah Chalitza, The Mitzvah of Chalitza takes precedence over Yibum. So that's what happened. The Brysa which says, when he says, let's do Yibum, and she says, no, we got to intervene and write an Igeris Mered, because there's a Mitzvah to do Yibum. Whereas Shmuel, Um, whereas Shmuel, he's many generations later, he's after they've revised it and said, rather do Chalitza. So when he comes, again, it's not yet set in stone that you don't do Yibum, but it's, they always say, rather, the mitzvah is to rather do Chalitza. So <coughs> when the man comes along and says, let's do Yibum, and she says no, Bezin are not going to help him. And decrease her tzubah, because they would also kind of advise him to rather do Chalitza and not Yibum. So that's the re- resolution between Shmuel and the Brysa. Yeah, I mean, this is a good sugya for what you're asking on last night. The Shmuel, the Amora, has to fit in with the Brysa. He can't be contradicting it. So what's his case? Obviously he knows the Brysa. He's not going to say something that contradicts the Brysa. So this whole piece was to try see what's the difference in the case. What's the scenario? Why they seem to be saying differently. Uh, but I was asking, does an Amora have to... Uh tie in with the Brice in the same way as he has to try in with a uh, yeah. Mishnah. Yeah, as I said, Brice is uh, once in a while say, oh, Mishnah uh, corrupted or something, but yeah, he has to fit in with the all tonight teachings. Okay, Admosahi Poseach, then 
the Mishnah then went on and said, how much do we decrease, etc. And whatever the Tanakama said, like seven, the woman's ksuba decreases, where she's the Moiredis, it decreases seven, and his, if he's the Moiredis, it increases three. The Tanakama said it's dinarim, and Rabbi Yehuda said it's tarpa, tarpuikin. So the Gemara asks, my tarpuikin, what's a tarp? What's tarpuikin? So Amar Rav says istera. Rav says it's a istera. Ah, v'kama istera. How much is a istera? Palka de zuza, half a zuz. Let me just try and think. What's the easiest? Um, yeah, one, um, one, it's, it's, uh, half a zoos, but it, uh, let me say one second, um, So Rashi, Rashi translates it into Ma'as. He says a tarpeik is actually three Ma'as. He says it's a, it's going into different types of uh, different types of uh, zuzin that you have a, a sela medina and a sela tsuri. The ones more pure silver, so it's worth eight times as much. Um, but either way, I think this is less half a zuz um, would be half the amount that the Tanakama mentioned, because the Tanakama mentioned a dinar, which is why I remember a dinar and a zuz is the same amount. Okay, but I never remember my ancient currencies that well. And you know, you're going to see over the page, you're going to run into a little bit of trouble with that. Okay, but carrying on. Tanya Namiyaku, we have a price which teaches the same thing. It says, Three, Rabbi Yudha says the amount that they increase the exubi is three tarpikin, which is nine moaz. For each day. Now, interesting, if you take that more vachetzi, yeah, so one zuz would be six more, so therefore a tarpeik is half a zuz, is three more. But therefore, if you take this, um, what do you say, three, three tarpeikin over a week, it says it's one and a half a day. And if you do that calculation, it turns out that. It's, well, sorry, not one and a half, a more vachetzi lechol yom, but that's only six days, not for Shabbos. So now the Gemara, uh, yeah, more and a half times, uh, you'd have to multiply it by six, then you would, but that's only for the weekdays. It says, so I, we penalize him for every weekday that he's a, that he's a moira, that he's not prepared to be with his wife. It says, how come when it comes to him, we give him Shabbos? I, the woman, when she's the Moredes, her Ksuber is down, is decreased seven. I, one per day, including Shabbos. Whereas when he's the Moired, we don't give her increase her Ksuber for the Shabbos that he's Moired. It's only for the six days of the week. So the moral answer is very interesting. It's not. By her ksuba, we're decreasing the ksuba so it doesn't look like any financial transaction or like she's gaining anything for Shabbos. But by him, where we increase the ksuba three tarpeikin every, every week, it looks like we're paying her and therefore we don't want to do that on Shabbos. Interesting... Uh, Um, yeah, so this is an interesting halacha that obviously you're not allowed to schar Shabbos. You're not, a, you're not allowed to make it look that you're earning money for Shabbos. And here, this is what this is creates all fascinating contemporary questions with the online businesses. Besides, for other issues, also online businesses when people do a transaction on your website, you know, or uh, you have a bank account which is earning interest over Shabbos. Um, those are the more the more classical examples is the ki- the children who run children's service and they get paid. The rabbis as well. The, the rabbi as well. How's he paid the lena? And um, those are the more classical examples. Simply one of the ways of getting around it, and this would be the easier one for the rabbi and stuff, is what's called havlo. If it's absorbed in a 
general amount, then it's okay. So like you're paying someone a salary, and that salary includes weekday activities and Shabbos activities, you can't distinguish, oh, well, look, the rabbi's getting X for that drosha, and therefore, he's, no, it's his salary, and some of his salary he does on Shabbos. The laborers, they generally justify by saying, well, he's doing his work before Shabbos, he's preparing the laboring. Um, the weakness of that is what, what about those laners who stay up on Friday night preparing their laning? <laughs> then they get getting paid to work on Shabbos. One more, uh, one point. So, but then if that's the on, if you're going to come on to have law, well, so to here, isn't it seven per week? So, or three per week? So it is have law. So it seems Tosso seems to say I don't understand 100%. But here, where it's pro, it seems as pro rata. We we say it as three per week, but really it's one and a half per day. So it's very clear if let's say she's they write the document on Sunday and by Wednesday she retract or he retracts, then it would be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it would be two tarpakids. So it would be very it's very clear that it's one a specific amount per day. Yeah, sorry, what did you want to say? Another one family's an architect. You're not paying him for a piece of paper that he drew on. You're paying him for seven years of university. And 20 years of experience. I don't know, I haven't heard that. Uh... So that's what you're paying the rabbi for as well. Yeah, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if it works like that, but I, hear, I do hear what you're saying. Okay, yeah. um, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Um, this Mishnah, very interesting, is dis- discussing a man's su- how much is the basic amount he's required to support. And the context of the Mishnah is where she's living in a different house. So before we get into the mission, we can ask the question, is a husband allowed to live in a different house? Can you say, look, I'm happy in my house. You stay and I'll buy you your own house and get you everything you need. And you stay there. I mean, that, that's the context of the mission. Or must, is, he obli- is a man obligated to live with his wife, stay in the same home? So the Rambam actually here seems to say, and it's, it's implied by this mission, that he can. A husband can tell his wife. I want to stay in this flat and you stay in that flat. I want to stay in this house, you stay in that house. And in some cases, he's got two wives. Oh, so they, they, that's what I was thinking. And they, they had that often with two wives. I'm not sure how that would work. They would each have to get a, their own uh, place to stay. But he might stay with the one for a year and another one for another year. Uh, yeah. Um, well, there, remember, he has to rotate more often to be with each of his wives. But yeah, but here, it says, that's why I wasn't sure the Rambam's opinion, but uh, I mean, the Rambam makes sense. He's allowed to say to his wife, look, we're happy. You stay in your flat and I'll stay in my flat. And, but many of the other Rishonians say, no, this must be where there's some special agreement or it's a temporary solution while, I don't know, he travels for business or something like that. But either way, we're dealing with a case where the man is not staying at home, so he has to make sure that his wife is provided for. The second point um, that to think about while going through the mitz, the, the Mishnah, so the context, as I said, of this Mishnah is where she's staying in her own house and therefore he's sending her food or sending or getting someone to make sure to buy her the food she needs. What happens if he's with her? Can he, does, can he say, well, look, I eat much less than that, so you also have to eat much less than that? Or is this the minimum that her husband has to provide for his wife? So that's something to think about when going through the Mishnah. So he says, I'm sure it's if someone's providing for his wife through a third party. I get someone else to buy the food for his wife. He's not allowed to provide for her less than two cups of wheat or four cups of barley. And Omar Rabbi This is this person who said you have to give that barley must be Rabbi Shmuel who lived near Edom. We'll see at the bottom of the page what that line even means. So the first thing he has to provide her with two cups of wheat. And he also has to provide her for, with half a cup of kidneys. And half a lug of oil. And uh, Cuff of dried um, dates or figs. And if he doesn't have this, then he has to find some other fruit for her. So that's the first part of the mission. Saying what? 
That's regarding food. He has to give her a, a bed with a soft mattress and a hard mattress. I don't know if one was for sitting on and one was for sleeping on or something, but he had to give her these two mattresses. says, He has to give her a scarf or a head, a belt, he has to provide her with new shoes for every festival. The Kalim shall Chamishim Zuz, Mishana Lashana. He has to provide her with new clothes worth Chamishim Zuz each and every year. And he shouldn't give her, or he's not allowed to give her the new ones in summer and the old ones in winter. The new clothes, the way that their clothes worked, would come thicker and harder so they'd be warmer. So you don't give her the warm clothes in uh, summer, you give her the warmer clothes in winter, she wears them through winter and slowly they thin out and then they last for summer. You have to give her the 50 zoos in winter. You can't say I'm waiting for the summer sales before I give you the money for clothes. You have to give her the 50 zoos for um, for the rainy season, for winter. And she will use them when they've worn down a little in summer. And the worn-out clothes are hers. You know, that's what we mean by the worn-out clothes are for her to keep. So that's the second part regarding, I guess, clothes and utensils. It says, He has to give her a mo'a of kesef for her discretionary fund. He has to eat with her at least on Friday night. If he does not provide her with the more kesef for discretionary expenses, then he, she gets to keep her earnings. We actually saw earlier on, it doesn't mean literally her earnings, it means the additional amount she earns over the basic amount she has to pay him. As we'll see, oh, what does she have to work for him? So, it's the weight of five sloim of the shesi thread, which is the same of ten sloim in, in Yehuda, which is the same as ten in Golil, because their weights were double. Or ten sloim of Orev um, thread in Yehuda, which is the same as 20 in Golil. So he either has to do five, just in Yehuda, five sloim of Shesi, or ten sloim of Orev. Shesi was thinner and much harder to make, so therefore she has to make less. But that was expected <coughs> of her to make for her husband. There's a fascinating discussion, just to mention it here, is, is this when she's living by where she living by herself so she has nothing else to do? Or is it even when she's living with him, and like we saw in a previous mission, she has all those other tasks, the washing, the making of the bed, etc. So is this over and above all those tasks? Or is it independent of those tasks? Almost we could say, let's say this take would take her eight hours a day to produce this. Not really, I have no idea what it is, but let's just say it's eight hours a day to produce it. But if she has the other six tasks, they take her another six hours. So do we say she only has to work for two hours? Or is this uh, an independent requirement? Okay. If she's nursing, we deduct from what she has to make for him. Simply because that's also one of her jobs, to look after the children. So she can say, well, when I'm nursing, looking after the children, I'm nursing. when I'm nursing this baby, that is part of my responsibility to you. So you can't expect as much wool. But you also have to provide her more food. This mission is with the poorest, uh, this is the minimum requirement. But if you have a more wealthy person, obviously all according to his uh, financial status what he has to provide his wife. So this again would be the basics, but you would have to do it according to his financial status. Money um, Mahnison. Who's our Mishnah? Now this point we're going to focus on. This I found very tricky. I'm going to try and keep it as straightforward as possible. But this Mishnah, um, the Mishnah said that how much food does he provide for his wife? Two cups of flour. So we're going to take two cups of flour Assuming that she needs 14 meals, because they would eat two meals a day, this calculation of saying that she needs two cups of flour 
doesn't seem to fit in with any of the calculations we know about how much food you need per meal, how much bread, okay, the bread of the meal. So that's what the Gemara is asking. Who's the author of our Mishnah? It doesn't fit in with Rabbi Yosem and Broke or Rabbi Shimon. As we learned in the Mishnah, just before we go into the Mishnah, the Mishnah is discussing Eruv Tchumin. Remember on Shabbos, you're not allowed to go 2,000 Amos outside your Shabbos zone. However, there is a way to create Eruv Tchumin, and that is, let's say you starting off your Shabbos at home, or let's say in the open, in the city, you go to the end of the city. So you, so you, put, your, you put your meal, uh, this is the food, the amount, the food, the bread for two meals, at a distance of well, 2,000 amos from where you're staying, and you say that where that Eruv is, that's your Shabbos zone. So you can walk from where you start off Shabbos to where the Eruv is, 2,000 amos, and then another 2,000 amos past that um, because that's viewed as your Shabbos home. So that's the Eruv Tchumim. Now, as we say, the Kamash Eurus, how much food you need for the Eruv Tchumim, Mosan Shtei Sudos, the bread for two meals. It says, the call Echot Echot for each person using the Eruv. Rabbi Meir says it's the amount of bread you use during the week, but not for Shabbos. And Rabbi Yudah says it's it's the amount of bread you use on Shabbos and not for the weekday. They're both intending for a smaller shear, a smaller amount. What's Rabbi Meir saying? Rabbi Meir says, look, on Shabbos, there's so much food and there's so many more courses you're going to end up eating, much more bread. Therefore, I'm talking about the amount of bread you need for the weekday. Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says, no, there's so much extra food that you're going to be eating, less bread. And therefore... On Shabbos, since there's so much other food, you eat less bread than during the weekday. And that's why. Um, but again, both of them are saying the smaller amount of bread. Either the two meals that you have, two meals worth of bread for the weekday, or the two meals worth of bread, two, the bread for two meals on Shabbos. But that's, that's the amount, two meals worth. Now we're going to bring two opinions of how big is this loaf of bread that you would use, or how much bread would you use per meal? Because we've just said it's the amount for two meals, so now we're going to say what that is. It says, Rabbi Yosem Broika says, it's a kikar, a loaf of bread, that would cost a punjun, cost a dollar, a punjun, when flour costs four kilograms per seller. Arba soin, four sayers of, of grain, Per seller. So when, so again, the shear he gives again, it's very interesting. I'm saying when when you go to the shop at a loaf at a punjan loaf, what you can get for a punjan loaf, when the flour price is four sayers, for um, it costs one seller for four sayer. Maybe Shimon Oimer, yeah. So what is that amount? Just to make it a little bit more easier, not much. Is it comes out a punjan can buy a half cup. Okay, that's the after going through all the the what's it the conversions, basically a punjan will buy you half a cup. Half a cup is twelve eggs. So that's Rabbi Yochanan ben Broika's amount. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says stay yodas lekikar, mishalos kikaros lekav. Rabbi Shimon says no, it's where two thirds of a loaf of bread, where you can get three loaves. Of breads out of a cuff. Again, a, a strange way of saying it, but two thirds of a loaf of bread, where you get three loaves out of one cuff. So, how much is that? That is there, it, t- it turns out, basically, a loaf is one third of a cuff. A loaf, that's what we're discussing. A loaf is one third of a cuff, which is eight eggs. Okay, so so, so that's the Machloikis Rabbi Yosemite Membroika says it is. 12 egg size loaf, and Rebbe is the shear for two suudois, and Rebbe Yosemite, and that's Rebbe Yosemite broken, and Rebbe Shimon says it's eight eggs. Now, Rebbe Shimon is just going to add other halachas regarding this size of bread we're discussing. So he says, Chetzia, half of the loaf, the base amenuga for a Sarah's house. What's that halacha? Very interesting halacha, but it actually becomes one of the most practical for us nowadays. Is when someone walks into a house that has saras, they become tomen. If they linger there enough time to eat, they um, 
they be, even their clothes become tommy. How much do they have to eat? How long is this time? The time it would take you to eat chetzia of this loaf we're discussing. That's good. A half a loaf. This is the famous term, which I don't know if you're familiar with, is bichte achilas pras. The time it takes to eat a pras. Pras means a piece, a half loaf. That's this half loaf. How long does it take? So that the poskim range. It ranges from two minutes to about nine minutes. Different opinions. How long? And that's what, why is this such a practical share? Because if you eat, you have to eat a kazais of matzah. How far? How, how long would we say it's one eating? This amount of time. Um, on Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to eat. But if you spread your eating over a longer period of time, that it doesn't really join together. This might be the time. I mean, Yom Kippur is um, if you have non-kosher mixed in with kosher food, so let's say someone is making a, I don't know, a cholent and a stew, and they put in a block of cheese, um, that you have to have the ratio to transgress to get lashes would be if you end up eating a gazayas bichtachilas pras. I don't want to go. That's actually quite a complicated discussion there. But that would be the kadais. That's this half loaf. This half loaf. And half of that, I half of a half, a quarter to poisel the person. If a person eats tome food, strictly speaking, he doesn't become tome. But Midrabonani does become tome. How much would he have to how much tome food would he have to eat to become tome? A quarter of this loaf we're discussing. And an eighth. The Kabbal Tumas Oichlin to become Tomei Tumas Oichlin. Food, food has to be a minimum size to be able to become Tomei. And what is that size? An eighth of this loaf we're discussing. According to Rabbi Shimon, this is we always see throughout Shas, a kibetza, an egg size. Because as I said, according to Rabbi Shimon, what's the size loaf we're discussing? Eight, an eight egg loaf, an eight egg, the size of eight eggs. So one eighth is an eighth. So that's where we get this kibetz this year. Uh, eight, a quarter of a quarter, uh, half of a half of a half, I an eighth of this loaf, would the food is susceptible to tumor. Smaller than that is not susceptible to tumor. Now we're going to tie. So, so that's the Machloikas Rabbi Yochanan and Broika and Rabbi Shimon. Comes out of Kuntra Rabbi Yochanan and Broika, just to bear in mind, for Eruv Tchumin, which is two meals, it's a half kav loaf. That's Rabbi Yochanan and Broika. Um, and according to um, Rabbi Shimon, we said it's two nants of a kav. Uh, two meals is two nants of a kav. Okay. So that's the. So, so, so now let's tie that in. It says, Mani, who's the author of our Mishnah? Again, our Mishnah said, how much food, how much bread does he have to provide his wife for? Two, um, two kavim. So now we're going to take this. He says, Mani, timni havin. If you're going you end up with eight meals, which is far short of the 14 she needs for a week. Remember, you need two meals a day. Where, how do we get eight? Again, because as I said, it's a chatzi kav is two meals. So one kav is four meals, two kavs. So again, according to Rabbi Yochanan Ben Broker's calculation, we're far short. If you're only providing your wife with with two cups of flour a day, you, you, you're giving her far less than she needs for the week. And the Erebishim, one second, Timni, sorry, Havin, according to Erebishimon, it's 18. Because according to Erebishimon's calculation, two meals is two ninths of a cup. And therefore, one meal is one ninth. So if you're giving your wife two cups, you're giving her 18 meals. That's far more than she would need for one week. So that's the question on the Mishnah. Who is the Mishnah? Yeah. Shouldn't there be 15 meals? Oh, okay, we'll touch on that. Very good question. Because on Shabbos, don't you need three meals? Okay, we'll touch on that. So he says, the oil very good. We're going to come to that. The oil Rabbi Yochanan ben... But either way, you're still far short, according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Broker, because he's providing her for eight meals, and you're safe, but well over, according to Rabbi Shimon, because you have 18 meals. He says, the oil Rabbi Yochanan ben Broker, but the Rabbi and like Rabbi Chizda said, say mehem shlish lechenvoni. Just like Rabbi Chizda says, you removed a third of the profit for the chenvoni, hachanam, I see Tlisa Shadi You take a third and add it in. I what Rabbi Chizda is saying. Okay, a tricky. I found it a tricky point, but it's not that bad. Um, when he's saying 
we said a loaf of bread that costs a punjon. When flour costs, you get four sayer of flour for one seller. Now we translated, we said, okay, so you take in that four sayer of flour and the loaf of bread will cost you one punjon. So you got it wrong. When you buy the loaf of bread, that's not for the full amount. You're not paying the, the, the flour price because the baker puts in his increase, his profit, his, his labor, his time, his skills. So therefore he marks it up by a third. So when you pay a, a punjan, uh, let me just think how to phrase it. When you pay a punjan, you've actually covered the amount of flour for two-thirds of that bread. Sorry, sorry. You've, the, your punjan would... Uh, the, the, the other way around. The, the loaf of bread that you get is... Uh, the flour in it is two-thirds of a punjan of flour. So that's where... So therefore, so how does that help you? You get to add on... Um, yeah, the, for, the, for a punjan you can only get two-thirds of a loaf and therefore two meals for the Eru from a punjan of that loaf is actually two-thirds of a half a cup which is one-third of a cup so you're actually much closer oh, Akati, Trey, Tarti, sorry, Havin okay, it's so fine you, 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 you've now told me that it's a third of a cup but then you're still only going to end up with 12 meals so he says, no, Achilal Imol, El Shabbos she eats with him. Remember, we said the husband has to eat with his wife on Friday night. So he's not providing her food for Friday night because he's going to be eating with her. So that he's going to provide the food. So therefore, you have to 13 meals. There's, this is all very well according to the opinion that says, oh, sorry, I skipped. Um, yeah, so we're up to 12 meals. It says, He eats with her on Friday night. It says, That's all very well according to the opinion who says when, when, when the Mishnah says that a husband must eat with his wife on Friday night. It's that literally means he has to have the Friday night meal. But it could also be a euphemism for how he should spend his time with her on Friday night. He should be intimate with her on Friday night. It says, Michael Amaymar, you're still short meals. It says, And even, even if you say that he literally eats with her, that's only 13 meals. So you still fall, fall far short if you're going to go like Rabbi Yosef Amorot. So no, sorry, no, the case is not where the Chenvoni takes a third for profit, it's where he takes 50% for profit. And Hachanami, I see a part of Sharia so now you can add on an extra half. So where we went, we went from having enough bread for eight loaves to enough bread for, 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 eight, for eight meals to enough bread for 16 meals. Because when you read calibrate what you get with a punjun, it's actually only 50%. So you can add on another 50%, or you get 100%, so now you're adding on another 100%. But either way, if you had eight meals, now that we've adjusted it with this profit margin, you actually get two cubs is actually 16 meals. There's, okay, so he says, Elo, but now kasha, the Rav Chizda, but wait, you have a contradiction between the two Rav Chizdas. The one Rav Chizda said the the bakers increase the margin by 33% by a third and this one just said you increase the margin by 50% by, well, by double so which one is it Rav Chizda? so he says no, no it depends on the place if it's a place where they provided wood with the flour then the increase will be less. If it's a place where they don't provide wood with a the flower, then the increase is more. There's, oh, but now we go back to our... So it's fine, we've resolved Rav Chizda. Why sometimes he said it was a third and sometimes he said it was a half. But, but still, it's 16 meals. How many meals does a person need a week? So either you're going to say 14 or 15. 14 if you say it's two meals every day and a, and a 15th meal for Su'udat Shlishi. So come on, this is in line with Rabbi Chidka to Amar Arba Su'udois, you actually need four Su'udois. Rabbi Chidka says, it's a machlokes in Gomorrah, I think it's in Gomorrah Shabbos, but how many meals? It says, uv yom, uv yom, uv yom, by the man. Um, so he says it's Friday night, plus three meals during the day. You need to have four meals over Shabbos. The other opinion, as we see, the Rabbon and hold, no. Of Yom, of Yom, of Yom, three. Tells us that over Shabbos you, have, you must have three meals. One on Friday night and two during the day. But either way, you holds, you need four meals. Also, we've got it. Six, um, two meals for every weekday. 
that gives you um, 12. And 4 for Shabbos, 16. That works out perfectly. You can even say it's the Rabbonin. You take an extra loaf for all the visitors I you have, for visitors that you have. I you provide her two cards so that she has two meals for every weekday, one meal, an extra meal for Shabbos, so three meals for Shabbos, and then two. This is do one more line. Well, now that you've come to that, you can even say it's Rabbi Shimon. Remember, according to Rabbi Shimon's calculation, we came out with 18 meals. And just separate less or more for the visitors. Fascinating, again, we see this, that the husband provides for his wife a certain amount of food, and some of that food is designated for visitors. Fascinating. I found that fascinating. Again, like we mentioned the other day, why the husband says, I expect to have visitors, and when, she, when they're working out her maids, how, much, how many maids does she need, and who's going to work, and you know, does she have to work still if there are lots of maids? And he says, well, we need some maids, to, we need you or the maids to take care of the visitors. It's an expectation in a Jewish household that they're visitors. Amazing. Then just on the so, so that's resolving that fascinating um, sugya when you get into it. I'm, I'm too, too technical with me, all the conversions and stuff. That's why I just took out the, the bottom line of the discussion. But I'm a chlokes, Rabbi Yosef, then Broika and Rebbe Shimon on the Shi'ur of the two meals for an Eruv, which we then work out what's one meal, and with that we can play around and understand it has many other halachic ramifications. As we said, the loaf we saw, I mean, Rebbe Shimon mentioned a whole lot of halachic ramifications with the size of this loaf, because one-eighth of the loaf is how much food can become tomei, one-half of the loaf is how much, how long it's considered you know, all these different halachas um, but then there are also other halachas like we know that if you're eating that's bread-like food cake and biscuits which we treat as snacks so we don't say hamotzi but what's the difference between that and bread? bread is made for your meal and that is made as snacks what happens if you have a large amount of in one of these sort of foods strictly speaking if you're eating a large amount you must and say hamotzi on it. So that this comes into the sugya. How much is a meal's worth? And that this is one of those halachic ramifications um, that you bring up the sugya. Um, then let's just do uh, three more lines, and let's leave it here for today. We'll finish off the dark tomorrow. <laughs>